Amen. I'm going to come back to those verses there. If you have your Bible and want to look along, it's also on the screen, 1 John uh, 1, verses 1 to 4. I've never used this as a... Uh, as far as a Christmas homily, or thinking about Christmas, but this is a wonderful Christmas pa uh, passage in 1 John, where John is telling us that which was from the beginning, that which always was, Jesus Christ. And he's saying, we have heard him, we've seen him with our eyes, we've looked upon him, we touched him with our hands. Concerning the word of life, this life, Jesus, was made manifest. He was revealed. And we've seen it and we testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life. And the eternal life is a person which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard. He's really adamant here. We proclaim also to you why? So that you too may have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, and now he's identified who he's talking about, Jesus Christ. And we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Now, you've probably heard this expression, uh, six degrees of separation, and it's the idea is that everything is kind of six handshakes away as the world is kind of smaller and smaller. And I just heard last week, somebody told me that Pat Young shook hands with Obama. And uh, the first time I went into Dave Hawes' office, I saw pictures of him with three different presidents. And I'm like, wow, Dave Hawes, he's, he's one of our ruling elders and he's shaking hands with three different presidents. And, and Dave has this great story and he's here tonight so he can, and he's told this story many a time that he didn't get his Eagle Scout. And if he had, he would have been allowed to have been on Marine One when Bill Clinton needed an Eagle Scout to get on the helicopter with him as he was speaking to a bunch of Boy Scouts and he had to call his mom and say, you are right, mom, I should have gotten my Eagle Scout. He was not allowed to get on board. Well, my brother flies for, for NetJets, and I confirm with him today that I'm actually not supposed to tell you this story because he's not supposed to be telling about any of the people that he flies, so we got a, a nice little chuckle about that, but I don't think any of you guys will report back to NetJets. But as he's flown these different famous people like Wayne Gretzky, Tracy McGrady, Bill Gates's daughter, Joe Lieberman, Katie Couric, Sergio Garcia, Jim Furyk, even Hillary Clinton when she was a uh, senator, Tom Brady, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I always want to know when, I, when he tells me, man, what are these people like in real life? Like, give me some snippets about them. And he always has some kind of interesting things to say. Some, some of these people are really amazingly nice and some not so nice. And some really leave the jet a colossal mess. And uh, anyway, but... Uh, it's interesting how you're just basically, I'm two handshakes away from some of these really famous people. Well, Ligon Duncan, who's the president of Reformed Theological Seminary, and he was my professor in seminary for one of my systematics classes, he talks about reading in a library in Edinburgh, Scotland. He was reading Irenaeus's work, okay? This is an early church father. This, he wrote this thing called Against All Heresies, and it was written in 180 AD, okay? 
And he, and he talks about how he's reading along and he says he came across this passage and it, and it basically gave him goosebumps because he says he was, he's reading, recounting the story of Irenaeus saying he was sitting in a classroom in the city of Smyrna in Asia Minor being taught by a man that identified himself only as an elder. This elder was teaching them tr Christian theology and in the course of teaching them Christian theology, at one point the elder paused and said that in this very room, John, the apostle, had taught him Christian theology. And he says, I remember the feeling of being so close to the New Testament as a man spoke about learning the gospel from a man who had learned the gospel straight from the apostle John himself. Well, that's closer than six degrees of separation, isn't it? Well, what is John the apostle saying right here? I mean, it's great to have this confirmation that, you know, there was an elder after him and that elder taught Irenaeus and then, you know, it's come down and we read other people and it comes to us. But we are reading right here in, in 1 John and John is saying as an eyewitness, he is swearing an oath. He is taking a deposition is literally what this is getting at. He's saying, I've seen it. He's referring to all of his senses here. Bob Yarborough, who's written one of the best commentaries on 1 John, he says about this that the variety of verbs correspond to the variety of witness at attestation in ancient jurisprudence. So when John writes, we've seen it and testify to it, he's speaking of hearing, seeing, touching. He's not making conversation. He's virtually swearing a deposition. John the apostle is on the witness stand and he's proclaiming to us the eternal life. It's a person. This is not a nice story about Jesus. This isn't long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. That's not how this begins. This doesn't say, uh, you know, it begins as a fairy tale. They really saw him. They really touched him. They broke bread with him. They ate meals with him. They saw him walk on water. They were in the boat with him. They were there when he was betrayed. They were there with the Last Supper. I mean, all these intimate encounters, they experienced it in real time. So Christmas is not a nice legend. It's true. And John is saying it's absolutely true. And, you know, when we look straight up at the sun or if you even if you look through a planet, even sometimes the moon, you have to have a filter on your uh, telescope to look at the moon. And particularly if you just look straight at the sun, you'll burn out your eye. Well, God, when he sent his son, we sang, and we, we should have sang the second verse to Hark the Herald Angels Sing, because the, the theology is veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. The filter to God's son is human flesh. He's God in the flesh and he's veiled and yet he's walking amongst, right among us. And yet we see him. Now here's the interesting thing. There's a lot of people that, that will find it easier to believe and, and sometimes you'll, you'll hear from people that they'll believe in conspiracy theories about 9-11, conspiracy theories about Pearl Harbor or JFK, and, and they'll believe that there's, there's life on other planets. 
They're probably thinking there's extraterrestrial beings. I don't know if you saw a little clip recently on the moon. There was this thing that went by and they've got video footage of like this, you know, and it looks like, you know, some UFO or something. Did anybody see that? I mean, come on. Some of you had to, nobody clicked on that link. Well, I guess I'm the only one. Well, people will believe these things and yet they have very, very little evidence. I mean, you want to talk about six degrees of separation. I mean, they have hardly any, like who have you really talked to? Have you really done the research? And yet you believe these things that are kind of wacko. And yet what we're talking about here is that Jesus was really born of a virgin. We have angels singing from heaven to shepherds we have no room in the inn. We have wise men following a star. And these aren't fairy tale or embellished or the stuff of legend because John is telling us and, and Luke is telling us a very precise thing. He, he tells Theophilus, he has researched this and gone to the eyewitnesses and done the scholarly research and he's presenting to you an accurate detail of precisely what happened. And so these things are actually facts. They're not just some long, long ago. And these people are swearing their very lives on it, making a deposition, and all the apostles died for their faith except for the apostle. I mean, they all died, but the apostles, all were martyred except for the apostle John. And so liars don't make good martyrs. When the, when the pressure gets cooked real high and the flames get going and they're thinking, that's where I'm going, the truth often will come out. Well, these people, they died for these very truths that they're declaring to us. And my point to all this is this. Our salvation and our faith, our eternal life, rest on witnesses and it rests on the faith of the apostles and their testimony to us. And we trust what they said. You realize that? We are relying on the apostles' testimony that it's, this is what Jesus said. And we are relying on that. And that's where we find eternal life. And so what are we to make of Jesus Christ? There's a great quote by C.S. Lewis in the passage called The Seeing Eye. And he said that this is a question which has to us a frantically comic side. The real question is not what we are to make of Jesus Christ, but what is he to make of us? The picture of a fly sitting, deciding what it's going to make of an elephant has some very comic elements about it, about it. You see, God has made us in his image, and he's made us as these rational creatures to actually apprehend our creator and to realize what he has done and, and what, how he has come into this world for us. And so there's people that will say, well, it doesn't really matter what you believe. This is really nice. It doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're sincere or as long as you have a good heart. I appreciate that that works for you. And we hear that a lot. And what people are really saying when they say that, and you may think that tonight, is what people are really saying is doctrine really doesn't matter except my doctrine. Because when folks say it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're sincere or as long as you have a good heart, what they're really saying is I believe in a doctrine very strongly. And my doctrine is salvation by works. Do you get that? You see, it's sugar-coated and expressed as long as you're sincere, as long as you have a good heart, but that's really saying that Jesus didn't really come to save us. 
It's really about us being good and sincere and having good hearts. That's what really matters. But that is a doctrine. And what I'm getting at is every statement that's made is a doctrinal statement. If you say doctrine doesn't matter, that's a doctrinal statement. That's your dogma. So if you try to put it on a shelf and say, well, that doesn't, no, it does matter. The question is, what are you banking it on? We are banking our testimony, we're banking our faith on the testimony of the Apostle John and these other apostles. And what John is saying here to us is that this Jesus has come. He was from the beginning. He always was. And now he's come and we've touched him. We've seen him. We've heard him. We've laid our hands upon him. And this life was made manifest and revealed to us. And now he's come to us that we might have fellowship with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. Now, what's so amazing about that is our story began tonight with these stories, true stories, in the garden, what happened to Adam and Eve when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Is they were sent out of the garden, and there was this, been this huge problem called fellowship. We had no right to fellowship. Because God is angry at us and we hated him and we rebelled and turned away from him. And yet what we see here is God is the one who restores fellowship. He came down to restore fellowship. And he comes to save us from our sin. Larry King was once asked, and some of you guys may not know who Larry King is. There's his picture. You might remember him. Some of you younger people, he's been out. He's not been broadcasting for a few years now. But he said, someone once asked him, if you could select any one person across the history to interview, who would it be? And Mr. King's answer said he would like to interview Jesus Christ. And then the follow-up question, which is up there on the thing, said, and what would you like to ask him? And Larry King said, I'd like to ask him if he was indeed virgin born. The answer to that question would define history for me. You see, He needs to hear it straight from Jesus. He can't believe the other people's testimony. But the other people's testimony from Matthew and Isaiah is that Jesus was indeed virgin born. And he's virgin born because we had, humanity had to step out of the way and God had to come in to save us because we are unable to save ourselves. And the guilt and the pollution of Adam's sin is spread to everybody. And we're all born with this infection called sin. But Jesus comes, the Bible says real simply. Here's a verse you can memorize. And I forgot it. (laughs) You know that he appeared to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. You know that he appeared to take away sins. That's why he came. He came to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. And if he he wasn't born of a virgin, he would have sin. But he doesn't. He came to save us. And so just to sum this up, Christ is our life. He has eternally existed with the Father in heaven. Yet Jesus, our life now, is manifested in human flesh, has come down to earth. And through Jesus' incarnation, that's just a big Latin word for in the flesh, through Jesus becoming human, John the Apostle is saying he has obtained fellowship with the Father 
and with his son, Jesus Christ. And now John is making the proclamation to us, even as we read this tonight, that on the basis of John's fellowship, he's saying the way that we have fellowship with other believers is through Jesus Christ. And as we come and share in this, it's kind of like when you see something incredible, and there was actually a few good plays today in the Redskin game. I mean, I missed the whole game. I have my family over, but I caught a few and I yelled, Haddon, you got to see this. Come quick. You know, and you see a great play. You want to share it. It's just so natural to say, come quick. You got to see this. Right? Isn't that what John's doing here? He's saying, you have got to see this. And when you see it and we share in it together, there's this thing called joy of a shared experience. Well, the shared experience is eternal life. God, who made the world, Jesus made the world, Jesus becomes a human being. The one who made his very mother became an infant. It's the mystery of mysteries that the infinite became an infinite, infant. And so John is saying, we've got to tell you this. And as you come to experience this, you make our joy complete because we just can't, we can't help we're exploding to tell everybody the great news. Just as the shepherds went and go tell it on the mountain, they, they went and spread the word. That's our joy. And we want it to be your joy tonight. So it would be our joy together. We would have fellowship with this common bond of believing that there is hope because Christ has come to take away sins and in him there's no sin. That's our hope. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for eternal life, your very son. And you have said he who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. But you've written these things to us so that we may know that we have eternal life. Open our eyes, remind us of what we have, the greatest gift that could ever be given. And we know that it brings you joy when we just love the gift and not trying to pay you back by any works, but to rejoice and to delight in your Son And we thank you that he became like us so we could become like him. And so, Lord, we pray that you would change us from glory to glory as we behold Jesus for who he is. We thank you for this time, even tonight, that we can rejoice and celebrate together. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's been our tradition on our last song that we turn off the lights and we... We spread the light with the Silent Night song, and I'm going to light a candle and we'll spread it throughout the